In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24:15. Brave words spoken by Joshua at his final address to the leaders of Israel. He was an old man by now, preparing to die. He knew that serving the Lord was not an easy task. But he also knew the rewards faithfulness had brought upon him and his extended family in the promised land. He told the leaders, judges and officials they could go their own way, but he and his household we're going to serve the Lord. We have this verse hanging in our house. It's painted on a cross and serves as a constant reminder of who is the head of our household. Through the years, this fact has brought its own set of troubles as the enemy tries to drive a wedge between us and our Lord. I tell the children and my blue-eyed cowboy, we must really be doing something with our lives that has our adversary worried. Otherwise, everything would be harmonious. So, and I'm talking to you, Joshua, old fellow, Sometimes serving the Lord is undesirable, but I agree with you. Me and my household will remain faithful to the one true God because of all the blessings we've reaped by doing so. Amen. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler, and I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'm broadcasting from rainy England. Yes, on our arrival, it started to rain. My guest this week is Andrew Einsbrook. And all I'm going to say at this point is he's a homeschooling father in Australia and you'll not want to miss this dad. I'll be talking about the last few days in my house, my journey, courtesy of American and British Airways, our layover in Newark, oh, and the relinquishing of the raccoons. So go and sit down and drink some iced tea and let's share this hour in blessed peace. Malia, my lovely youngest daughter, worked very hard on her room in preparation for leaving. She painted it cream. It took her a day. So she's just like her father. Once she sets her mind to something, there's no stopping her. She left the skirting board and trim for Dad to finish. He feels as though he's been let off lightly by not having to paint over the Pepto-Bismol pink walls. In fact, she managed to do it with just one coat. That was pretty good. When she wasn't painting, she was visiting her boyfriend, either at his house or ours. Both of them were counting down the days, shedding tears and looking for things to do for free. So they went swimming. They had picnics. They went to parks and museums, art galleries. Um, And they stared into each other's eyes. Malia grew more and more excited while she was growing a little bit sad. She was sewing the elastics and ribbons on her ballet shoes and prancing around the house saying, I'm going to be a dancer. She was just like a little three-year-old all over again. And I have to tell you this, for Mother's Day, and I've been meaning to tell you, I know it's been a month, my children, um, my boys actually, bought me an extravagant gift. They bought me an iPod Touch. My oldest daughter had already gifted her sister with one as a graduation and going away gift. And Malia had told me all that she could do with her latest gadget. And I commented to hubby that I'd really like to save up for one. My sons, being of the generation who don't believe in saving up for anything, decided I was going to live in the 21st century in style. For the first few days of ownership, I wondered if I was ever going to use this expensive machine. I like to think long and hard about something before investing in it, especially in popular Apple stock. However, I found out how to use email and pick up my messages from this little handheld machine all by myself. Well, once Paris had shown me how to turn it on after charging it. Emboldened, I began experimenting and I found that I could take photos and video, check the weather, courtesy of Paris's download, 
put my classical music on it so that I could listen to sounds. And if I'm within Wi-Fi service, I can use it as a GPS. I can Skype on it. I can text and surf the net. I can also use a device called Haytel, which is like a walkie-talkie feature and fun to do. The only thing my iPod Touch can't do is function as a phone. It can do everything else I want it to, especially in my own home, except my laundry and dishes. I'm already loving it. And I listened to a couple of podcasts on the plane on the way over. They're called um, Things You Should Know. And I listened to The Rules of War and um, Why We Have Fear. And it's great. It's just this little machine. And it's, it's a camera and a video camera all in one. That's what I love about it. Anyway, the last days in our home were filled with final lunches and goodbyes with friends and family and neighbours. Um, the whole family went to Mass on the last Sunday, which happened to be the final one in the Easter season. So we start a whole new church season with Pentecost in sunny old England. We went for a family blessing at the altar and hugged everyone at the early morning service. Ian, earlier on, had pretended to balk at having to obey the early call on Sunday and said, Is that the service at the godforsaken hour of eight o'clock? As if he'd forgotten all those 8 a.m. Masses we've attended together since he was six weeks old. In fact, when they were children... They had no idea that Sunday was a day that you could maybe sleep a little bit later. So they still got up at six. So that's why we got into the habit of going to the early service. Anyway, I was quick with my response. I said, the eight o'clock mass is the one that God goes to. We didn't go out for breakfast afterwards because we had lunch plans. And when I have a cup of coffee and a pancake, that's me. I'm good until the evening. So our oldest and boldest, Ian, came for dinner later in the evening. After lunch, I don't know, I ate three times. I ate a lot of food before I left. I must have put on 10 pounds. So I guess all this London walking is going to help shed those extra pounds. By Sunday afternoon, the upstairs suite of rooms were cleared, vacuumed and closed up. I lost my battle with zookeeper son Simon and gracefully cleared out his room. Luckily, he was thrilled, not defensive at all. Why would he be? He just saved himself a lot of work. He was able to come home and spend some time in the pool with his male sibling and father. The raccoons were out too, with me on the small wooden deck, pretending they were in a jungle with my all my beautiful plants. I left them to Simon since he'd requested that I prolong their stay until Wednesday. And you know what? Without being under my watchful eye, they found themselves under the wooden deck. Simon wasted a good 30 minutes trying to get them out. Raccoons are fun, but they're such time wasters. He took an extra day off to be with us, so he had a really long weekend, a three-day weekend. But what he really wanted to do was make beer and climb. And he actually bought a woofer to go in his car. Is that what it's called? A woofer, an extra thing that makes the car kind of pound while he's playing music. Such a boy. He's so excited about having the house to himself. And I'm having to let go. Gosh, this is difficult. Anyway, on Monday evening... This is what we did as a family, and those of you who know us will not be in the least bit surprised. Any guesses? We took the preliminary shot of our Christmas photo. Fun, fun, fun. Except it wasn't, not really. With six of us all wannabe directors, the air gets a teeny-weeny bit tense. But we got enough photographs for Ian to work his magic. We went to see my oldest son's place of work on Tuesday. Remember the previous week I told you we'd gone to see where Paris works, we'd gone to see where um, Simon works. And uh, my oldest son is employed at a company called Real FX, a film company. And the space is incredible. Where the animators live, there are booths. It's a huge open space warehouse, by the way, and they've all got little stations with computers. And they were allowed to build their own booths if they so desired. And some of them look like caves or straw huts, little houses, cars. Such a creative group of people. It was such an exciting place to work. Well, it looked like such an exciting place to work. He finds it exciting. We then took him out to lunch, which was part of the deal for being toted around his workplace with colleagues lining up to meet my two lovely daughters, not to mention lovely mum. Some of the employees are over 30. Um, Malia had a little bit of a packing challenge. She is an incorrigible shoe lover. And she finally realised that she wasn't going to be able to take the 20-some-odd pairs of shoes she'd culled from her Eva Perron-type collection. On one of our early trips to England, she did her own packing, I remember. She was all of eight, and when we arrived, she'd brought more shoes than clothes. Footwear was everywhere, in her hand baggage, her purse. 
she and Simon both have unique packing techniques. He's a light packer, a really light packer. He rarely brings more than what he's standing up in, which doesn't work very well when travelling from a balmy climate to one that's rainy and cold. More often than not, when Simon's in charge of his packing, we arrive at our destination, only to have to go out and buy him undies, shorts and shirts. What did he pack? Oh, his retainers, a toy or two. Nothing much. This works in our favour, usually, since we always have excess stuff to come home with, thanks to those last-minute gifts families tend to shower on us. Once, it was a massive five-pound tin of chocolates. I kid you not, my aunt came to our door. We're all packed. And she said, oh, I meant to give you this at the beginning of the holiday. And she handed us this massive tin of Cadbury chocolates. But Simon had room in his rolling suitcase. The empty tin now sits on my closet floor and is the official change receptacle. Anyway, back to Malia and her dilemma. She was packed, but then looked at what she still had left to put in her carry-on and knew by looking at the telltale heels peeking out of the top that she'd have to rethink her priorities. She already has an armoire upstairs with carefully selected clothes and shoes in it uh, for her siblings to add to their packing when they come to visit. Her best bet will be extremely light traveller brother Simon. I must admit she had to do the most letting go. As it was, at checkout, her bag was £10 overweight. We had to pay the full fee as if we were checking a second bag. Next time, we really must invest in scales. And she wasn't amused, actually. She said, well, if I knew it was £10 over, then I'd have just packed myself another bag. And I said, well, if I knew it was £10 over, we would have taken some of your heavy stuff and put it in our hand baggage and saved ourselves $60. Anyway... We landed in Newark after tearful farewells at the house. We decided not to let the children drive us to the airport. We just got a taxi instead. And uh, we immediately caught the train into New York. We were able to check our bags into a hotel. And we walked around the city for four hours. The weather was as hot as Texas, so we were boiling hot, even in the shade. But anyway, it's a great city to walk around in, a great city to people watch. And we had fun. Some of the buskers, though, were outrageous. There was a naked old lady playing guitar wearing cowboy boots and a hat. How did they get away with it? After dinner, we headed back to the airport and caught our flight to London. And we slept most of the way, you know, the shallow, unsatisfactory sleep of the jet setter. We had a car waiting for us at Heathrow and we headed home for showers and tea. And now I need to go on a very short break, so I'll be back in 90 seconds. So come back and join me. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Innovation and insight, problems and solutions, capitalizing on your ideas and efforts. That's all a part of Changing the World One Invention at a Time with Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 Central on toginet.com. Rick will be sharing stories of innovation, invention, inspiration, and overcoming obstacles with guests who have been there, done that, and are doing that. Rick will be asking the right questions, helping you identify the real problems, and showing you how to act on your ideas by increasing consumer confidence, and more importantly, increasing your confidence to act on your ideas. For even more information, go to thinktech, that's T-E-K, globally.com. Then join us as Rick and his guest teaches how to develop new ideas and create new products, new businesses, new jobs. And together, let's get our economy growing again. It's changing the world one invention at a time with author and inventor Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 Central on toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, 
ShannonBenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, hello, I'm back, and I hope you grabbed yourself something to drink. It's kind of chilly here, so I've got myself a nice hot cup of tea. What about you, Larry? Well, I've had my coffee earlier, and I'm yeah. going to go put on some long pants. It's actually pretty chilly. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. It was really ridiculous because when we arrived yesterday, we went straight um, – to the hospital to see my mom because she was still in there and I had shorts on and a short sleeve shirt and flip-flops because it was quite a nice day sort of nice it was cloudy but then this morning when I was coming home and waiting for the taxi it was cold and people were looking at me you know like you look at these people in um, cold cities who are wearing short sleeves and and flip-flops and you go that person's crazy well that's how they were looking at me so I've come home and I'm going to go back with my long pants and my long that's that's what England's all about it changes the weather changes all the time well now it's really this morning it was awfully rainy and cloudy and now it's beautifully it's beautiful and sunny yeah, yeah, that's what they said. They said last month was the driest month since they started tracking weather or something, and that they've had a lot of rain um, this past week that has, you know, sort of brought everything back to life. So that's good. So, yeah. um, right. Well, this week we're going to be talking, Larry and I are going to be talking a little bit about um, what um, we have done. We've kind of reversed the empty nest syndrome, and instead of our children flying the coop, we're flying the coop, and as we were saying goodbye to our children on the roadside outside our house, I said to them, I'm running away from home. And they said, yes, you are. So um, <laughs> do you want to say something about that? I mean, about, you know, sort of how it feels to be sort of doing the reverse instead of us waving the children goodbye when they, you know, sort of set off on their lives. They were waving us goodbye as we were setting off on our new life. Well, it was kind of bittersweet seeing saying goodbye to them for a while. At least Malia came with us. But it was it was actually something I, I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's like us going on a new adventure instead of just sitting at home pining away when our kids go out on a new adventure. We're doing the same, you know, or we're doing it on on as well as them. So we'll all have something to talk about. Uh, in fact, when we got the Internet hooked up this morning, uh, I've, I've already been able to Skype with the, the two of the three of our children that were left back in Dallas. So that was kind of fun. You know, they were they oh, thought that was pretty neat. Did you manage to Skype with your mom? I saw her pop up on my Skype. I haven't yet. I tried, but she I think she turned it on and I think she probably went in the other room and doesn't, you know, isn't able to hear it. So we'll we'll catch up later on. Yeah, yeah. But I was out. I got up early and I was watching out back. We have a beautiful garden, a beautiful view of this. Uh, must be a seventy-five. I, can hear a year old. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it must be a seventy-five-year-old willow tree, weeping willow tree, uh-huh. and there's a hundred and fifty rose bushes. Wow. And somebody, somebody was out mowing the yard and trimming the rose bushes, and I was able to just to watch them do it, and it looks like my garden. You know. Yeah. That, that, that was nice because I'm always doing the lawn work. <laughs> well, I must admit it does look really pretty. This is a perfect time of the year to come. But um, I think each one of our children is also looking forward to the adventure, especially Simon. Well. Do you want to talk a little bit about? <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about Simon and how excited he was about getting the house to himself? Every time we'd say something to him, I'd see this little grin starting to, you know, sort of flash across his face. Well, he was so excited that this morning he was late for work because, according to him, his phone went off in the middle of the night, which he uses for an alarm clock. And so he was running about two or three, two hours late for work uh, in a mad dash to get to work. So, yeah. Well, 
Yeah, normally mum must be um, sort of on the alert because if I didn't don't hear him get up about 5.30 or 5.45, I kind of wander through the house in a half a day's. Yeah, but somebody, one of us is always there to, to help it. That's right. That's <laughs> Not right. anymore. I'm no. sure he's enjoying it, though. Evidently, they cooked dinner last night, and they got his woofer hooked up in his subwoofer hooked up in his car, and they went out and sat in the car for an hour listening to music. Well, I hope they didn't say do it too loud. You know what that sounds like. Well, no, I, well, we'll see if the neighbors call. Yeah. Yeah, so um, apparently he had some friends over, you know, kind of all day on his last weekend day, and I suppose they went swimming. The pool was looking very good. We left the pool looking sparkling, shiny, and clean. Finally, yes. And, uh, yeah. Well, and, they, and they were getting rid of Malia tonight. She's going to Paris oh, that's uh, right. tonight. We, I'm going to take her in, and we're going to send her. She has a friend who's been doing a an overseas course from she goes to smu in dallas and she's Mm -hmm. been in paris since january and she's actually going back home next week so malia is here and so they're going to go meet in paris and spend the night tomorrow night malia tonight yes she rides on a bus all night arrives in paris tomorrow morning and they're going to spend the day and night in paris and then come back the next day malia will and so She'll be in Paris all on her own for the first time. I know. Yeah. I know. That's kind, of, that's kind of scary. Well, and I hope that um, she has good weather because then they'll, they'll do a lot. Because I said to her, you won't want to sleep. You'll just want to stay up and see as much as you possibly can and then get up in the morning as soon as it gets light. Which, by the way, this morning I got up to do something and it was like 10 to 4. And... I heard the birds. I went, you're kidding me. These birds are already up, and it was only 10 to 4. So our days are very long. So if she can take advantage of those long days, she'll get to see a lot of Paris, especially if she sees Paris the same way she paints her room, which is fast. <laughs> so hopefully she has well, a great, great time. Well, yeah, and, like, and, and you know, she'll have fun here, too. The, the English summers, the days seem really long because it gets light earlier and stays light. Longer, yeah, longer. Uh, more still. so, more so than in Dallas, and then, but also in the winters here, it gets darker earlier and stays darker longer too. So it kind yeah. of swings and roundabouts there. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's those two children. We have one minute left, and um, I want to spend that time just kind of uh, setting up for our little next segment, and we're going to be talking about, um, you know, some of the things we're going to miss about um, our homeschool years now that we're, you know, sort of we've wrapped them up. Malia's graduated now from college. Um, Her final um, results were, what did she get? Two A's, two A's and a B, three A's and a B or something like that. So she has a good GPA if she ever wants to go back and do that, which which she really is just interested in the performing right now. But at least she left doing um doing really well academically and um so be thinking about some of the home right. type stuff you will miss and All right. in about 90 seconds so stay tuned how do you handle toddlers teens and tirades when homeschooling that's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Lindale Link with host Holly Rand comes Mondays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Linda Link is Lindell's first and only internet radio broadcast. Holly, tell us about it. It's really something from my heart that I want to be teamwork um, for the entire community to get the word out about everything that's going on here. We're talking to the entire community of Lindell. This is not limited to just businesses or just parents or just teachers. Simply to get the word out about your cause or your company, you must go to where the people are. And today, people are on the internet. Lindale Link. Lindale, Texas is a growing chain of business, education, commerce, community. Together, Linda Link can create one strong chain of communication. Check out LindaleLink.com and then check out Lindale Link, the radio show. Lindale Link with host Holly Rand. Mondays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Booyah! That's the word uttered when you know you have the upper hand. Or you're the winner. Well, now... We have the Booyah Radio Hour 
with Martin Brassi. Tuesdays at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Martin's show is all about helping speakers and authors find their niche, create their brand, and achieve massive success. Each week, Martin will interview guests from around the world who have achieved tremendous success as speakers and authors. You'll find out who they are, what they do, and how you can follow in their footsteps to achieve incredible results. Guests will come from around the world of business, entertainment, finance, the arts, and sciences. Nothing is off topic. No subject too taboo. We'll share valuable information as well as huge laughs as we discover the ups and downs of being a successful speaker and author. The Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Pressey. Tuesdays at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Okay, I love live theater and I love live radio even more. It's so exciting. My guest is actually here with me on Skype. He's from Australia. So my wonderful husband who stepped in and chatted to us is on hold for another day. And then we can talk about what we were going to talk about another day. But I am thrilled to welcome Andrew Einsbrook. Andrew moved from America to Australia in 1987 after meeting and falling in love with his wife, who had lived such a self-sufficient and natural life in Australia, she'd never heard of a computer. But they had some things in common. They were both vegetarians and comedians. He, an improv comic, and she, a stand-up comic. His life has been filled with film, writing, comedy, animal welfare, and the raising of their daughter without sending her to school. Andrew now has over a 100 children's books published or coming out. His family filmmaking company has made three films, Finding Joy, which he wrote and directed, Seven Days with Seven, which has delighted audiences around the world, and I'll let Andrew tell you a little bit about that one, and This Sacred Earth, the 2012 phenomenon, which he edited. Welcome, Andrew, and thanks for joining me this afternoon for me, evening for you, and morning for our listeners in America. Hey, we're hitting three continents here. That's great. Most excellent. That is excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you are so welcome. You sound great. Isn't technology today wonderful? It's amazing. I know. And, so, and such a useful tool for doing all the sorts of things that we're all trying to do. It's, uh, you know, t- technology is, has democratized so many things from, from authorship to filmmaking to homeschooling that uh, the, the opportunities that are there now are just amazing compared to, you know, even 10 years ago. I can hear that Australian twang creeping through. You reckon? Yes. Because I still say y'all. I know, but I can hear it. It's, it's under the surface, some of those words. Good, because <laughs> at first I didn't think it was there, but it is, it is. Now, I don't know if you've looked at my bio, but I went and looked at your bio, and you know what? Our bios are about our lifestyles. And usually, well, a lot of times when I ask my guests to send me a bio, you know, it's like this little shopping list of things that they have done, you know, college and degrees and all that kind of stuff, which really doesn't say a lot about them personally, except maybe it does. But um, your bio talks about your life and you. And my bio also talks about my life and me. So it must be that our artistic personality is coming out. And your photograph, listen to this, your photograph on the front of your blog is of you jumping in front of like a castle? That's right. That's we right. That was taken Christ- in Wales. In Wales, okay. Well, we did a Christmas card photograph, our family, and all of us are jumping. It was <laughs> just, I, I looked at the photo and I went, oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, so tell me a little bit, you know, about your life and your lifestyle and what it's like living in Australia versus living in America. And I'm sure that'll take you several hours. <laughs> well, I moved to Australia in 1987. I, as you indicated earlier, met the world's most wonderful woman and was uh, and and was the more portable of the two of us. So I made the choice that uh, we'd be here instead of over in the U.S. Uh, the lifestyle was uh, quite different. I came from a very academic background. Uh, I've done you know graduate school work and all sorts of stuff like that and so to embrace a a a lifestyle that was much more homeschooling and that sort of thing was quite a change for me Mm -hmm. the 
work that I did when I first got here was writing work, uh, journalism and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I, as you indicated before, we, uh, we worked together. We performed on stage doing comedy and shows and sketches and stuff like that. And then eventually moved over to more of a written word kind of thing. And then that took us into uh, writing for television and uh, doing our own projects. And okay, the, so did you meet in America? We met halfway. We met in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Oh, that's romantic. It was. It was very. <laughs> we met at a conference of 500 people, and we locked eyes on each other about on day one, and that was it. I that was that sight. You bet. It sure was. Yeah. Well, great. So yeah, the. So are you? A, are go you ahead. A, sorry. Go ahead. No. 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 Please. I was just going to ask you, um, you've already told us, you know, that you, you moved to Australia because you were the more portable of the two of you. Are you a citizen? Yes, I'm a dual citizen, so I have two passports, and our our daughter is the same. She, by virtue of the two nationalities, also carries two passports. Okay. And actually, it was interesting because I became a citizen. It took me a while. Like, I was a permanent I was a permanent resident by virtue of marriage for a number of years, and it was having... Uh, our daughter born that made me think, you know what, I want to vote. Mm-hmm. And I, I treasure the the democratic opportunity to vote. And I thought, well, I want to make sure that my small contribution, contribution and voice is heard here. And so that made me want to go ahead and take out the citizenship. So mm-hmm. I actually have the opportunity to uh, to take place in elections on two continents. Well, that's great. I just got my American citizenship last week. Um, Congratulations. I didn't, I didn't do it for so many years. I think mainly because my father-in-law told me that I had to get my American citizenship. Otherwise, my children would be confused introducing their father as an American and their mother as a, I said, Brit. And he went, yeah, that would be really difficult for them. I'm going. So I went, well, if that's what he thinks, then I'm not going to become an American citizen. So, <laughs> but I finally did because, you know, my permanent alien resident card became um, non uh, – it was invalid. So right. I had to do something about it. And I'm going, it's a permanent alien resident card. I have a thumbprint on there. That never changes. But I just had to mm. go ahead and just kind of cut through the bureaucracy and do it. But Well, yeah. there's nothing like a deadline to help focus the mind, is That's there? right. That's right. So everyone except my husband has two passports. Right, right. Yeah. And there's a, a nice flexibility that that allows. Mm-hmm. It, it is a, it's nice to have the additional options available yeah. that that gives you. That's right. Well, working in England is one of them. Now, is the Australian passport a British one too? I mean, you can come into Britain, right? Yes. Yeah. I can. Me. Uh, it's the arrangement is there's a number of countries that are reasonably uh, relaxed about their travel. I don't think I have to get a specific visa for the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ha- we did shoot we did when we shot our most recent documentary, The Sacred Earth, the 2012 phenomenon. We actually did, an, uh, we circumnavigated the globe in about two weeks. We did a uh, a shoot in Oregon, and then we did a shoot in Wales, and uh, went and sort of flew all the way around. And there were no specific visa issues with either of those mm-hmm. places. All right. Well, since the show is about homeschooling, although I'd far sooner talk about film and all of that stuff, so we can do a little bit Mm -hmm. of homeschooling. I know that my listeners are really going to want to know a little bit about homeschooling in Australia. We've learned about homeschooling in New Zealand and Canada. So uh, is it legal where you are? Yes, it is. Absolutely. And in fact, the, the Board of Studies, which is in the Department of Education, in New South Wales has a, a, a number of resources that are available to homeschooling families that they could take advantage of. Not so much financial, but information type stuff. They do try to help the families do a good job of it in the state. It is state-based here, mm-hmm. uh, so and we're in New South Wales, so that's the one that's relevant, relevant for us. There are, of course, those who prefer to fly under the radar, and there are those who go ahead and register. We figured that our profile would be high enough that it, we may as well go ahead and register, and I didn't have any problem with that either. And I'm happy to talk about what we do for registration if that's going to be of interest. Yes, yes, please do. The 
way it works in New South Wales is that you say to the Board of Studies, hey, we're going to homeschool. And they say to you, okay, well, tell us what you're going to do. And then you tell it to them. And they have a person who comes out and visits your home. They want to make sure that you're not keeping your children in a box somewhere. Mm -hmm. And they just sort of have a look at how you go about what you do, what sort of record keeping you keep. And they can assign a variable length of period that your certificate is good for. So we, in our case, we received in uh, in every inspection a, a certificate for two years. That was the maximum they were able to do. If they think that there's um, some issues going on with the family, they can issue a shorter time period and uh, follow up a bit more. Often, if they need to, six months, for instance, if they think that there's stuff that needs that there's that they need help. Uh, being uh, Billy, my wife, and I are both writers. And we're both filmmakers. We were able to show that our daughter would have lots of opportunity for learning, and that we'd be able to cover off the key learning areas uh, without too much problem. So that was that was that. But in in every case, uh, you know, we we had very friendly chats. With and visits with the authorized person who came out. Now that wasn't always the case. Some of the people in our homeschool group uh, are further down the path in homeschooling than we are, or, or were further down. So they would tell stories of how the authorized person was perhaps a little less friendly and a little more in need of being convinced. But by the time we were involved with the process, they had come around to understanding that actually this is a very much a legitimate way to go about educating a, a child and that it should be supported rather than anything else. So what would your option have been? I mean, if you didn't homeschool, what, are you in a position where you could send um, Tamsin to school? So um, I'll, I'll answer that, but let me just say one other thing But while I'm talking about the process, then I'll come back to what our other okay. options would be. Um, there is, in New South Wales, also the option to get your registration by documentation. And okay. that can be done by providing them a whole lot of, if you will, documentation, mm -hmm. and then they evaluate that and use that as the basis for uh, for what you're doing. And I, I never really pursued that option because I was always happy to have the person come around. I think if you were involved in a in a more structured program and you were to say, oh, well, we're doing the XYZ program and we mail ourselves off every time and here's the stuff that they've given back to us, that that would be uh, that more structured approach would probably suit that documentation approach better. Although I think some of the families in our group have gone about it and it's worked for them, but we never did it that way. You asked the question, what would our options have been? We live in a small country town, which is about an hour. The town itself is about an hour out of Canberra and an hour out of a major rural town called Goulburn. And uh, we're also out of, outside of a coastal town. So uh, our little town has two schools in it. And so we specifically made the choice not to go to either of those two, two schools. Uh, okay, so she could have. We're going on a break. So yep. hold that thought. Yep. And How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Innovation and insight, problems and solutions, capitalizing on your ideas and efforts. That's all a part of Changing the World One Invention at a Time with Rick Rowe. Thursday evenings at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Rick will be sharing stories of innovation, invention, inspiration, and overcoming obstacles with guests who have been there, done that, and are doing that. Rick will be asking the right questions, helping you identify the real problems, and showing you how to act on your ideas by increasing consumer confidence, and more importantly, increasing your confidence to act on your ideas. For even more information, go to thinktech, that's T-E-K, globally.com. Then join us as Rick and his guest teaches how to develop new ideas and create new products, new businesses, new jobs. And together, let's get our economy growing again. It's changing the world one invention at a time with author and inventor Rick Rowe. 
Thursday evenings at 6, 5 Central on toginet.com. Hi everybody, this is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, I'm talking to Andrew Einsbrook live from Australia. And what time is it there, Andrew? It's 11.45 p.m. P.m., so almost Saturday. Getting there. Pretty yes, close. In about 15 minutes, I'd be able to say good morning to you. And you probably will at the very end. Um, <laughs> so you're, you were telling us about um, your alternative and that you could have sent, you had two schools um, close enough to be able to send Tamsin to, Tasman to school, sorry. Tamsin, that's correct. Tamsin. And she could have gone to either school. One of the schools is a faith-based school and the other is a public school. And when we moved here, we moved to where we live now when she was 18 months old. Mm-hmm. And pretty much right away, we knew that we would probably be homeschooling. We'd had some experience with homeschoolers uh, previously. And actually, you might be interested in that story. I, I can remember very clearly the first time we came across homeschooling. And uh, this was before we had our daughter. And I, we were teaching improvised comedy to uh, as one of the things that we did. And so our, we had the opportunity to teach at a school, like a public school and also to teach a group of homeschoolers. And we did that quite close to each other. And we just noticed that there was an incredible difference in terms of the way the kids participated, the rigidity of their thinking versus the flexibility of their thinking, how nice they were, how pleasant it was to be with the parents. And we were quite impressed by that initial encounter. And so when it came time for us to make the decision, well, do we send her to school or do we take that on as something that we do ourselves, we had already had a good example of how it could work well. And mm-hmm. so we were able to embrace it from that point of view. Well, that that's a, a lovely story. And um, I can remember talking to somebody um, earlier on sometime last year saying that really our education system has only been around for hundred and something years and so all of those other hundreds of years you know there hasn't they there hasn't been institu- institutionalized education parents and families have done it all and the children have either worked in the business and so um you know that's natural and i'm so glad that your first um introduction was such a positive one because it was here, it was yeah the 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 way that they, I mean, just the simple way that the children and the parents would work together on the stuff that we were bringing to them. We also did some creative writing teaching with them also. And I just remember it was, oh, look, they're participating. And that idea of, well, education is something that we can take responsibility for ourselves is one that uh, implanted on us reasonably early. So, like I said, it was a fairly comfortable thing for us to do. And also, when we moved here, uh, again, you know, we know faith-based schools work for other people. It wasn't going to be a choice that we made for us. And also, with the other school, we knew people who had already taken their kids out of that school mm-hmm. had a bit of a reputation for being rough. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, that's not going to be for us either. So, mm-hmm. pretty much from the time that you know we we got here. We knew that we would be doing that, and so we incorporated that to our thinking to the extent, for example, that when Tamsin was going to preschool and she went one day a week just because 
she enjoyed it. Uh, when they said, now, some of the kids are going to go off to big school and some of the kids are going to be homeschooled. And they, mm-hmm. we said, you know, just make it normal. And the gal who was in charge of the preschool was happy to do that for us, to help make that process seem like normal, not just to our daughter, but also to the other kids in the class. And isn't it wonderful when you homeschool your children or unschool them or just have them with you all the time, mm. um, how that um, you, you're still a parent and they're still your child, but there's so much of a connection. I you know? think so. I, I think that it's, it's, it's like that old study that says that fathers who changed their kids' diapers are much less likely to abuse them. Mm-hmm. You know, that because you have an interaction with them, it gives you the basis for a relationship that allows you to, I hope, you know, set the stage for, for years and years to come, even as she becomes an adult. And I, the other thought that I always had was, well, you know, we made the effort to bring her into the world. We may as well, you know, enjoy her company while we can. So well, that's true. That's home, home educating was part of that. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about, um, it doesn't sound as though you particularly used a traditional curriculum. Did you have to, by the way? I mean, is that a requirement to be certified? No, it's or not to- at all. We did not have to. We had to show, we would create, I would Actually, it was tended to be me who did it. I would create a document every couple of years that was a prescriptive document as it was forward-looking. This is what we intend to do in the coming years. And then we would, we would have our record-keeping, and for us, that was samples of whatever she was doing. Plus, I used a calendar, a diary-style calendar, to write down just things that we did. And because it was only the one child... I know, like, we have friends who have five kids, so the documentation issues are a bit harder for her or for them. But because we just had the one child, it was, you know, today we did this bit of storytelling or we did this bit of math or whatever it was, and that was a simpler thing to do. In terms of a standardized curriculum, certainly, I mean, as you know, there's a whole range of homeschooling styles from the incredibly structured to the incredibly unstructured. We tend toward the unschooling side of that continuum and so for us it was a matter of saying well we're going to just make sure that when in our plan we tick off all of the six key learning areas and make sure that the that they can see that we do that we do actually do stuff that we do have a plan that we do have resources that are available to us that she has opportunities to be part of the home we have a very good homeschooling group that we tapped into very early on and her core friends are all homeschooling kids from that group that she's been friends with for years and years and years while at the same time she does have opportunity to meet other kids so for example last year she expressed an interest in fencing and that's the kind with a foil rather than the kind with a star pig and the straining yeah. wires mm-hmm. and she and it was you know typical homeschool thing oh you want you're interested in fencing well let's see what's available oh, yes and in canberra there are six different fencing clubs let's pick the one that happens to be on the day that we tend to be in canberra and in that same conversation hey would any of your friends like to do it so there were four sort of core friends who all started fencing at the same time and again typical homeschool thing i thought well if i'm going to go i may as well participate so uh we we all took up fencing last year and it's maintained as a thing for them to do and one of the things that it's done is tamsin's now 15 some of her friends are just that little bit older and some of them have uh made the choice to go to the equivalent of high school here for the last couple of years with an eye toward going to university and and there that's one approach to doing it but the fencing activity has provided a way for these girls to keep a face-to-face contact once a week even though they're no longer maybe so active in the homeschooling group mm-hmm. yeah um, I want you to talk a little bit now about um, your family business and the mm-hmm. fact that you say you unschool, but really the stuff that you do, your child cannot avoid learning how to read and write, be creative, probably some some organizational skills and math skills involved if you're talking about money. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, everything is involved in that one thing that you love to do for our family. It was theater and music. Right. You, right. it's right. film. And I mean, there you go. So let's. Well, talk. we, well, we did. We have kind of two 
strands to what we do that are relevant to what you're talking about there. One's the filmmaking side and the other's the writing side. I wrote a lot of educational texts. The the hundred plus books that you mentioned are texts that are sold mainly directly to the education market. And as Tamsin was growing up and learning to read, I would sit her on my lap and have her proofread the books that I was writing. That was one way for me to hear it through the child's voice, but also a way to have her involved with the with the writing process. More recently, last year, uh, one of the publishers that I work with was interested in having a short piece of fiction. And I thought, oh, well, we could write that together. So we used... Uh, so a collaborative software tool. We happened to use Google Wave because it was a, an opportunity to learn a new tool. So we used a collaborative software tool to structure and write the story together. We talked the story through. She sort of did the first pass. I did a second pass. If she got stuck, we'd talk it through. And we created a little book that has been published. So she's already had her name on the cover of a book. And that's something that you know, she was able to see the whole process from idea through to submitting it through to seeing the page proofs come back from the publisher. On the filmmaking side, we've, as you said before, we've done three projects. The first one was a feature film called Finding Joy. The second one was a documentary, or as we say, a dog-umentary, <laughs> called Seven Days with Seven Dogs. And the most recent one is This Sacred Earth, the 2012 Phenomenon. And she's been involved with each of those. She was five when we shot Finding Joy, and she actually appeared on screen. Then she was uh, a few years older than that when we took the trip with the dogs and filmed that. So again, she was on screen. And then more recently, she has uh been both in front of the camera but also uh been involved with the behind the scenes stuff helping us you know with the camera gear or whatever further to that she she actually had uh, my wife billy is the the director amongst us so we we write a bit together uh billy directs i tend to edit and uh tanzan has billy's eye for the visuals mm-hmm. so uh, she has a, a good sense of photography, and she's done a couple of short films herself, uh, which has given her a chance to work with the filmmaking tools, the editing and the cameras and everything. And that was one of the things that I remember from pretty early on. Billy and I went to a homeschooling conference when Tamsin was still very young and we were still pretty new to it. And, and Andrew, I, I, Andrew, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to cut you off there. We are going to have to do part two. Okay. okay. Andrew, we're going to have to do part two because I want to talk about the films and um, I will email you and I will definitely get, get together with you because I knew I knew that this was going to be a great conversation. So <laughs> Thank you. Um, we've got like one minute left and I'm just going to have to wrap up here. So let me do my wrap up. Um, Indeed. I to Andrew Einsbrook, a vegetarian, uh, sorry, a vegetarian, a keto-loving, computer-savvy improv comic from Atlanta, USA, who met in Australia and moved down under to become involved in her life. His website is www.wildpureheart.com, and you can just go everywhere if you just go there. There's loads of links in there. So, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me this week. Have a wonderful weekend. And, thank you. Uh, I'm going to go now, everybody. My daughter is going off to Paris for the weekend, as you heard. So before I fall asleep at my computer from jet lag, I have to say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McGee.